Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat right where you're at. Uh, man, there's been a lot going on here at Movement Church, and sometimes I think maybe you don't even, even recognize it because you, you, know, you don't come to everything. You, don't, you aren't involved in everything. Maybe it doesn't apply to you. So I kind of want to just to run down some of the things that have been going on here lately. Yesterday, uh, Rich and his team, which includes everybody that's up here and people in the back of the, the tech uh, area, tech booth, they come in and they, they were working through some things. They were talking about what they were doing. I think, I think Rich, you can correct me on this. You guys were working through some of the new Kanye uh, stuff, right? Yeah, okay. You can't trust me on any of this, right? But, uh, but yeah, he says Jesus is Lord. Cool. Amen, right? Let's go with that. Uh, but I think about all the things that have been going on, like things that go on through the week. I mean, you guys come and maybe on a Sunday morning and this is all you see, but there's so much more. Uh, on Sunday nights, there's a group that comes together just for dinner here in cold, or there in Cold Spring. On Monday night, also in Cold Spring, uh, I, I and my wife lead a small group uh, for people. On Tuesday nights, there's a men's group that's gonna, that meets every other week in Cold Spring. Then on Wednesday nights, about monthly, we have a, a, a youth group that goes on for our 4th through 8th graders. We met this past Wednesday, had a great time. Uh, with that. Also, also on Tuesday, going back here a day here at the building, there's not one but two AA groups that meet here in the basement. One at 6 and one at 7.30. Uh, we think about all the ways in which that there's, there's groups that meet on, on a Wednesday night, and there's a group that meets on a Thursday night. There, there's all these things that are ongoing. We're going to be t- on Thursday night this week. We're going to be doing Halloween, and we're doing all of these things. We're doing all of these things, not out of some guilt not as some like we have to do it because god expects us to be good we do this because we're not satisfied we're not we're not okay with okay Uh, we believe that if we're going to be helping people find and follow jesus we got to do things we've got to pursue this we've got to challenge one another we've got to help each other along the path and sunday morning absolutely that happens but so much more than just this is going on you know, to borrow, a, borrow the cliche line from those commercials that were on a few months ago, you know, we're not okay with just okay. I think it was an AT&T commercial and, and the tattoo artist is saying, you know, he's the most okayest tattoo artist in the city. And he says, you mean, mean like one of the best, right? No, one of the most okayest, right? We, we think about this in terms of our lives when there are some things I think that we have just kind of said, you know, it's okay and that's probably good enough. Well, well today we're wrapping up a series called relationship goals and today specifically but not exclusively we are talking about marriage but here's the thing about this when you look at this from wherever you stand whether you're married whether you're not whether you used to be married whether you hope to be married wherever you are in that spectrum we can find things i think speak to how we should approach the most important relationships in our lives because no one no one gets married no one is in a deep and meaningful friendship no one is dating someone seriously and is okay with just okay you know a guy doesn't propose to his future wife and just say well this is okay (laughs) you know the bride isn't there on on her wedding day and she's standing there in front of god and family and friends and they ask her if she's going to commit to these vows she says okay we don't just settle for okay 
in our heads, but so often in our actions, I think we do. And so today we're going to look at another goal in our relationships, commitment. Commitment. Because here's the thing about love. Love is not an emotion. We may feel feelings, we may have strong emotion, we may feel this connection. Absolutely, I'm not dogging that at all. But love is ultimately a choice. Love is an act of discipline. Love is an act of commitment. You know, I, I love the opportunity I have so often when I get to marry someone. I get to officiate a wedding. And I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I, I sometimes weddings can be tough. Because sometimes, as the pastor, you're just like another line item, like flowers in the cake, right? And it's tough because ultimately what I want to do is be able to speak into their lives. And so when I marry someone, I don't just say, okay, tell me the date and I'll be there. I want to do some premarital counseling. I want to get to know the couple. I, I will incorporate my wife, Heidi, because she's much smarter than I am in that. And we'll sit there and we'll try to, try to speak some truth into them and try to help them navigate what's going to happen in their lives moving forward. And what I have found so often is that in those moments, we keep coming back to this idea that you don't have to just settle for things. You don't just settle for being okay, that you're making a commitment to one another. We look at scripture where it says that a man is supposed to love his wife like Jesus loves the church that he is supposed to die to fully sacrifice himself die to himself and we see that the woman is called to this this act of service this act of love and, and it's kind of this mutual loving engagement where, where each person is bringing something to the table not expecting to get anything in return and when it goes right it is beautiful right we know those marriages that we see but we also know in those marriages where it doesn't go well. And we see how destructive it can be. We see how harmful it can become. We see the damage that can be left. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in those spots. And if you're in a spot where your, wedding, your, your marriage is on the rocks, your relationships are on the rocks, your relationships are strained, there is conflict, there is tension, let me say this. It's not over. There's still hope. Ultimately, we can only control what we can control. We can control what the other party is doing, but we have some agency here. We can not give up. We can hold on to hope. And that is such a hard thing. And you might feel like you are holding on just by your fingernails. So I don't want to minimize that, but I want to say it's not over. I don't care if papers have been filed. I don't care if people have moved out. It's not over. There's a verse that we're going to be coming back to over and over again this morning. And this verse is, is, is simply this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, John, one of Jesus' first disciples, this, this guy who is one of the twelve, this guy who is not just one of the twelve, he's part of the inner circle of the three, this guy who speaks with such authority because he was there, he saw these things. He says this about love in one of his letters. He says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. you got to put your money where your mouth is. If you are going to be in this, if you are going to commit to this, you've got to prove it. You've got to back up the talk. You've got to back up the romantic gestures. You've got to back up the feelings with action. 
Now, here's the very simple thing. Here's this sermon in 10 seconds, one sentence. If you want to space out, cool. But here it is. If you want a good marriage, apply this verse. If you want a good marriage, apply this verse to your life. As you're, if you're in that spot where you're married, you want to be married. You don't want to just be okay with okay. You don't want to just be okay. You want to live out this verse where you are, you are loving, not just with words, but with actions. Not just with words, but with actions. One very practical, one very simple way, and this may be familiar to some of you, for us to love someone well with our actions is understand how they receive love in turn. This has been talked about a lot, and this comes from the, the book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And if you're following along on the app in the sermon notes, which is in the Movement Church app under the Sundays tab, you can find the sermon notes there. There's actually a link where you can take a short quiz. Uh, if you want to do it now, good on you. Go for it. But if you want to do it later, that's cool too. That might be better. But take that quiz to kind of understand of these five that we're going to be covering here in a moment, which one you fall into. Because practically speaking... We don't all love the same way. We don't all give and receive love the same way. And so if you're in a marriage or you're thinking about the most important people in your life, it is helpful to know what they, how they express love and how they receive it. And so we're going to look this morning at the five love languages. And it, it's helpful for us to identify this. So I'm going to run through these five. The first one is this, quality time. Quality time. If this is your love language, nothing says I love you, nothing says I love you like presence. Not where you're on your phone at dinner, not where you're doing five other things and talking to someone, not where you're kind of running through the house, you're kind of hectic, you never sit down, but being fully present and spending time. This isn't necessarily that you're going to take these big extravagant dates, but in the day-to-day, you're going to spend time. You're going to be fully present present the tv's off the phone is down you are there the actions of of loving someone with this with this love language involve things like going for a walk having a a time where you're playing a game you're playing a board game you're playing cards you're spending time with somebody having those in-depth conversations distractions postponing dates or pushing them off or or that failure to listen that's where you get in trouble that's how things can be really harmful harmful so if you're in, in that spot where you're maybe sitting next to your spouse and quality time is their thing, maybe, maybe quality time is how they connect, uh, maybe, maybe you just need to kind of turn to them and stare at them for five seconds, longing, loving gaze. No, that's weird. Don't do that. Don't, there's other people around. Save that till you get home, all right? All right, number two, the second love language is this, receiving gifts. Well, who doesn't like to get gifts? Who doesn't like to open a present, right? Who doesn't like to be surprised? Yes, that's true for all of us, but for some of us, it means more. That there is thoughtfulness, there is effort behind a gift. It's kind of personalized. And the perfect gift or gesture shows that you are known, that, that you are cared for, that you are prized beyond whatever sacrifice or monetary value that gift might have cost you. So, so maybe it's picking up a, a favorite treat, a c- candy bar that you know that person loves. A gift with a, thought, a lot of personal thought and care. It's personalized. It's customized. It's, it's referencing a, a shared experience or a conversation. Or maybe just giving a gift on no special occasion at all. All of these things feel like love to a person with that love language of receiving and giving gifts. Now, you want to mess this up? You want to screw things up? You're going to miss the birthday. 
you're going to give that present in the Target bag that you bought it at Target in. You're not going to wrap it up, right? You're going to do something very thoughtless. You know, you, I remember there's a Seinfeld episode, I think, where, where George like, gave like 15 bucks or 25 bucks to his date in cash. Like That's a thoughtless gift, right? And these things can be dis- disastrous to your relationship. You know, if you're sitting someone sitting next to someone with that language of, of, of receiving gifts, and I, I might caught you unprepared, you don't have a gift, maybe you just need to lean over and say, hey, I got lunch taken care of, I'm going to take you out to your, to your favorite place, and, and you're going to be all set there. Or maybe you, you're married to somebody who loves receiving gifts, and you don't express this love language, this is not how you think about love. You need to find the people who understand this love language, right? You need to find their friends and say, hey, have you guys been talking about anything you want, anything that's going on? You, know, you send that covert text and you can blow them away on their birthday. I'm not going to make eye contact with anyone in this room, but I know it's happened and I know it works uh, from personal experience. So you want to do that. So that's, that's receiving and giving gifts. The third one is this acts of service if your love language someone you love hearing the words let me take care of it it's a huge act of love i'll clear the table i'll make that call i'll pick up the kids i'll I'll make sure that gets squared away followed by the action is truly an act of love this acts of service want to mess up relation with someone who has that language that love language of acts of service well here's some easy ways to do that be lazy about it Forget something you said you would do and don't follow through. Making more work for someone, making more work for someone with that level, and says, you know, their feelings don't really matter. You know, maybe for you, you want to you wanna say, how do I express this love language? How do, you, how do you make sense of this? Well, maybe you just need to get up out of the service, out, out of here right now, go, go wherever you parked, and you need to like wax and polish your car. Maybe that's something you can serve someone this morning by doing that. Maybe, maybe that doesn't make sense, but... You have to find ways to serve. You have to find ways to serve that person. You have to show them, not with words or speech, with your actions that you love them. The fourth love language is this, words of affirmation. This is one when the action of giving and receiving love involves words. If this is your love language or the love language of your spouse, unsolicited compliments mean the world. Genuine compliments are not just praise, but love. Hearing things like, I love you, is important, but this goes beyond. This is about expressing the personal details, the things that you really appreciate about someone. Loving someone who feels love through words or affirmation means you're taking that speech and you're turning it into actions. You're building that person up. You're going to get very specific. You're going to say, hey, this was an incredible dinner. You are an awesome, awesome cook. I, I so appreciate how fun you are just to be around. I've just really enjoyed being with you, and you do such a good job with, with being with our kids. Or, or you, were just, you were just a fabulous pastor and great communicator. Like, man, if you enjoy words of affirmation, those are the things that you want to hear. Because this is mine. And, you know, I see myself having all of these love languages time, but this is mine. Now, guys, you might think, man, I don't want to have these sappy conversations. That's not what it's about. If I can make some gender stereotypes here, I can talk about myself. I think men, by and large, respond positively and negatively to issues of respect. You want to make me mad? Disrespect me. You, you talk about how I look or what I do for a living. That's, that's not a, that's nothing, but disrespect me or disrespect my family? Man, we got a problem. You want to show love to me? Show me respect. Show me appreciation. Communicate value. Those are the ways in which I receive love. 
Because for me, when I think about how I am, am, am wired, how I am wired, I want to know that what I'm doing, how I'm living my life, how I'm parenting, how I'm a husband has value, has importance, has consequence. And so when I think about this, how I receive love, this is such an important thing for me in my life. Like, like my relationship with my wife is going well if, in one respect if she is giving me those words of affirmation. And I, in turn, am speaking to her love language. The fifth love language is this, physical touch. Now, all right, this does involve married folk doing their married thing, all right? But it's not just all that, okay? Sharon, back at the soundboard, loves that. She's looking at my notes. She's thinking that's hilarious. And her and Danny will have a great evening together, I'm sure. But anyway, (laughs) just making sure you guys are awake. Physical touch is a huge, huge thing. Physical touch is a huge way that we can, we can support one another, we can love one another. And it's, it is more than just what we're joking about here. It's hand-holding, it's that, that arm on the shoulder, it's spending time together, it's, it's being there, it's that physical presence. Obviously, people who express and receive love in this way, they're touchy-feely. And some of us, we, have, we just don't want to do that. Like, that just grosses us out. Like, like we, we are like, like I'm going to give a hug, and I'm going to put myself back here, because I'm going to give a handshake, because I don't want to hug you. Like, like, and when we hug, we do the side hug, or whatever it is, right? But if you're married to someone who expresses and receives love in this way, we've got to show up. We've got to be there. We've got to make sure that we're there. We've got to understand that this is how I love this person. You, you know how you can do this. This is an obvious one. But these love languages are huge. And the five, we'll just leave those up there for a second. Quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch. I would imagine, as I ran through this, maybe you're familiar with this already, you kind of know what is your primary. You know primarily how you receive and give love. Or you know that, hey, those two or those three, that's how I receive love. That's how my spouse receives love. That's how the people in my life that matter receive love. And we need to pay attention to this because what does John say? He says, let us not love each other with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do we love our husbands or our wife? With our actions and in truth. We love them the way they want to be loved. We love them because we don't want to get mired in mediocrity. We don't want to just be okay. We want to express and connect. And the huge reason that I think so many marriages get mired down in mediocrity is because we love our spouses the way we want to be loved instead of the way they want to be loved. And see how this could be a huge problem if you receive and give love one way and they receive and give love a different way and we never connect. We never recognize that we need to be there. We need to connect with them. Now rarely do, do couples share the same love language. So it takes intentionality and a desire to live this out. So as I said, the words of affirmation, this is my love language. This is how I receive love. This is how I kind of am able to make sense of things. This is often how Heidi loves me. Now, if you know my wife, she's, she's just positivity. She's an encourager. And so this kind of comes natural to her. But she has gone beyond that, understanding that that is something that I need. She is so important for me to keep me grounded into the important things, whether it be things at home or whether it be things with church. She's kept me grounded and saying, this is why I'm a dad. This is why I'm a pastor. She challenges me. 
She challenged me, and she has every right to do that. I need that, but also giving me those affirming words, not like a Stuart Smalley self-help guy, but a way of saying, this is who you are. This is what I've seen you do. This is what will keep you grounded. This is why we are doing this. Live into that and move forward. She can speak the truth in this context of love that's incredibly affirming. And I know for her, she kind of has two main uh, love languages. The first is acts of service, and the second is quality time. And so she's out of town right now, and so, so she's up, up with her, her folks and her family and celebrating some cousin's birthday and all that fun stuff, and she's going to come home tomorrow. She's going to come home tomorrow. If I want to screw this up, there's a lot of ways I can do it, but particularly if I want to screw this up, there'd be dirty dishes in the sink, laundry wouldn't be taken care of, I'd complain, <laughs> about having a weekend with no kids. I wouldn't be present with the kids. I would immediately get frustrated. I wouldn't serve her. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be present to have that quality time with her and the kids. That to her would be a, a huge slap in the face. And so I've got to take care of some things. And I'll do it today, you know, because she's coming home in the morning. Because, you know, because it's an issue right now. She doesn't listen to the podcast, let's hope. But you get the idea. Because I need to recognize how she receives love. I need to ex- recognize that, that this is how she experiences it. Now, is ever my love for my wife in question? No. But does she know it? And am I communicating love the best way? Think about the people in your life that matter. Your spouse. Your best friend. The people that you are, you, you are connected to. Your kids. They know that you care for them. They know you love them. But are you expressing it, not just in words, but in actions? Are you showing this with your life? Because what does John say? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. We have to take action to love our spouse and the way they need to receive love. Now all this language of receiving and giving... I think this seems kind of transactional. Yeah, it is. This may seem like, like you're trying to like strategize how to have a good relationship. Yeah, I, I am advocating that. Like, like this takes work. If love is a choice, if love is a commitment, it's not just going to happen. It's, it's not just going to happen because we want it to. It's only going to happen if we back it up with words, back our words up with actions. And so there's this concept that is backed up by psychology, by this, by this doctor named Dr. John Gottman, and he has this, uh, this concept called the relational bank account. And so stick with me for a second, but think about this. When you get a negative comment, when someone takes a shot at you, when someone, someone criticizes you, is it easy just to kind of slough that off? Or does it stick with you far longer than it should? Because this is what, what, what psychologists have found. This is what I see in my life. I can get 10 positive things. But that one critical thing stands out, sticks around, bugs me far longer than those 10. That the one thing outweighs the 10. Relationally, it's the same thing. Think about this in terms of making an investment in your marriage of, of love deposits or love withdrawals. And this is not a one-to-one ratio. Psychology will tell us it's more like five to one. For every one withdrawal, 
every time that I don't give quality time to my wife. That moment when I, when I walk in the house and I'm on the phone or I'm on the phone doing this or, or whatever it is, I know that Heidi would rather me be gone for 20 more minutes to deal with all that stuff so when I come in, I am present. For those kinds of withdrawals, for those missed birthdays or that unthoughtful gift or for the, for the times where you didn't pursue your spouse with physical touch, those times where you didn't speak their love language, that one withdrawal, you got to do five deposits to make up for it. Now, we're not keeping a ledger. We're not like keeping a record of wrongs. Or we're not going to bring up past mistakes. But understand, this is just kind of how our brains work. And so when we just look at psychology, we think about if we want to have good marriages, if we want to have good relationships, we've got to work at it. And because of how we're wired, our brains are stacked against us. And so we have to make those investments. We have to do the things that are hard. And we have to be intentional. Now, for some of us, I hope this has been really, really helpful. I hope that for us, they're, they're in this spot where we're thinking about our relationships, where we're thinking about our marriages. This has been really, really helpful. I hope that's the case. I hope it's the case that, that you've kind of said, like, oh, maybe that's why there's some tension in my marriage. Oh, that's why we have these fights over the same things over and over again. Or that's the ways in which I'm not showing love. But I know some of us, your spouse isn't here. You're not married. You used to be married. Or you're married, but this is something on Sunday mornings you guys just do separately. And you might be saying, well, what in the world do I do about this? How, how do I make sense of this? And maybe you would say, yeah, I'm just kind of holding on. But hear me on this, because I think what I'm about to say is very important. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to do this on your own. We sang that song before, we, before I got up here about calling on the name of, of the Father, calling out to God, and that God will hear us. See, I think God wants to give you the ability to love when you don't feel like the loving. When you don't feel like you, you're, not, you're not there in a place where you're wanting to love someone, you're wanting to serve someone. I think God wants to, wants to pursue those things, wants us, wants us to enable us to pursue those things. When you feel like you can't try again, when you feel like you can't have that conversation again, when you're ready to give up, when you're ready to call the lawyer, there, I think there's a source of love that we can tap into. I, I think marriage is so important. I think marriage is so important because this is how God connects with us. This is how God often explains his love as a, as a bride and a groom, as a, as a family, a blessing through a family. We see this over and over and over again. So I'm not saying that marriage, married folks are better than single folks. I'm saying that God thinks marriage is really, really important. And if you're in a marriage or you want to be married or you think you might be married down the road, this matters. That this source of love that we can tap into is the source is God. The Apostle Paul kind of assures us, assures us of this truth. He writes this in Romans chapter 5. Paul says this. He says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which is who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is, is God's presence that lives within in some incredible, mystical, beyond our understanding way that this peace of God is connected to all believers. That if you have said yes to Jesus, you get God's presence in your life. And what comes with this, according to Paul, is the love of God. 
So maybe you're thinking about your relationships, you're thinking about your marriage, and you say it's too far gone, or this is, this is impossible, or it's never going to work. There is a source, there is a well of love that we are not even aware of. Maybe when your heart is empty, when you have nothing to give, you've given and you've given, and you feel like there's no hope, I think God is saying, I will pour more of myself out if you'll ask for it. I think God loves us so much that God loves us so much that there is plenty to go around. That God is always pursuing something better. That God is not okay with just okay. That God wants more for us and more in our marriages. Maybe you're, you're today you're, you're sitting with your spouse. Maybe today you're sitting with your spouse, or maybe you're, you're here today and you know, your spouse... Even your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they're not here. But if they are, here in a moment I'm going to pray. And I'd love for you to, to reach out and hold their hand if they're here, to, to have some sort of connection with them and pray together in this. But let's say they're not here. For those single folks, for those single again folks, for those people who want to be married, for those people who don't want to be married, I want us to consider this. I want us to consider this idea that our purpose, this is laid out in the Bible so often, this is laid out in the words of Jesus so often, our purpose isn't to be moral. Our purpose is not to attend church and to, to, to have the right beliefs. Our purpose is so often to love one another. Jesus says that, that people will know that we are following him by how we love one another. Jesus tells us that we are to love, not just the way we want to be loved, but to love as Jesus loved us. That this is a defining hallmark of what it means to follow Jesus. And so whether you're married or you're not, let us understand, let us see through this prism, see through this lens, that as we follow Jesus, as we are to pursue this, love is inextricably linked up with this. It is there. And so I want to ask... I want to ask of God as I pray with you here. I want to ask for more of that. So if you would, would you join me in prayer? And if you're with someone here today, would you maybe reach out and take their hand as we do this? Father, thank you for the ways in which you have created us.